This episode of Scandal Water contains adult themes and descriptions of violence. It is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Candy. How's it going? It's going really good. My uh, cat, Henry, has decided to join us, so he's a little upset with me right now because (laughs) we did some promotional stuff earlier and we accidentally locked him in a bedroom. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Henry. <laughs> so he came in here. I just remembered it. He's like, meow. So he is telling me how he feels right now. So He's he a may, little angry. Yeah, he may chill with us for a little bit. All right. Well, it'll just be a reassuring little purr in the background. <laughs> know, it'll add so some ambiance. People are going to be so tired of my poor cats <laughs> that join us. But again, we film in a room without a door. We learned from our, our earlier episode. Which one was it? The Lincoln episode where oh. when I try to close the door. That's not good. That's not good either. It doesn't no, work. It's mm-hmm. their house. I just live here. Well, all right. Well, let's start talking about West Side Story. West Side Story. Okay. Okay. Here you go. Recently, of course, there was a remake and it's been in the news quite a bit. I think Mm -hmm. it was only released in December of last year, 2021. So I have not seen it yet. Have you seen it? No. Well, it's been kind of a big deal. It's actually gotten very good reviews. Oh, cool. It was directed by Steven Spielberg Mm -hmm. and the lady, the actress who played Maria even was asked to host Saturday Night Live recently. So it's been kind of a, a news thing. Okay. Which made me think of the original West Side Story. Have you seen that? No. <gasps> Are you serious? <laughs> I've seen parts of it. I've not seen it all the way through. That absolutely shocks me. I know. I know. It's There's certain things that I missed in my zeitgeist of growing up. And that's just one of the things that I missed was West Side Story. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, I love this movie. Okay, I really great. Do. I I think... It was one of my favorite musicals growing up. I mean, now, of course, you can look back and you can think about all the things that could be better that, you know, maybe aren't as timely or what, you know. Let Natalie Wood actually sing. Right, right. Instead of Marnie Nixon. But for the time period that, you know, that it was created in, I think it was a really good production. And before everybody gets mad at me, like they got mad at me for Karate Kid. Like, guys, I can't see everything, right? (laughs) I had so many people contact me like, you haven't seen Karate Kid? (laughs) Let me update you. I've now seen both, two of the three films, and I'm almost done with season four. No, wait, how many seasons are there now? Three? Four? There's four. I've almost seen all of season three. So, okay. I'm working on it. You're making it up to them. I'm making it yeah, up. There you go. Yes. You've redeemed yourself. Well, it's funny you bring up Natalie Wood because that's actually what I was heading towards. Oh, are we going to talk about Natalie Wood's death? We are Whoa, going to be okay. talking about Natalie Wood's death. I have some death. thoughts about that. Oh, good. Good. All it's right. funny how your eyes lit up. You were like, wait a minute. I do know this. <laughs> so <song." laughs> I'm not going to be like, well, West Side Story. We're talking about Romeo and Juliet dying. <laughs> well, I brought it up because obviously West Side Story 
was huge. And Natalie Wood was the star. Although, as you said, she was not allowed to sing and didn't know that they were not using her voice for the entire thing until afterwards. That's the same thing that happened to Audrey Hepburn. Mm -hmm. She thought they were going to use her voice in My Fair Lady. And then they said, and she practiced and Mm -hmm. had a vocal coach. One time you'll have to do an episode on Marnie Nixon because you have heard her voice more than you realize. And this poor woman was never given the credit she deserves. never given the credit. Well, she has a beautiful voice. She does. But Natalie Wood also did some amazing acting. And the original West Side Story was massive, by the way, from Wikipedia. Just a quick little overview. West Side Story is a 1961 American musical romantic drama film directed by Robert Wise and Jerome Robbins. Mm -hmm. With a screenplay by Ernest Lehman, the film is an adaptation of the 1957 Broadway musical of the same name, which in turn was inspired by Shakespeare's play Romeo and Juliet. Mm -hmm. It stars Natalie Wood, Richard Bamer, Russ Tamblin, Rita Moreno, and George Chakiris. The music was composed by Leonard Bernstein with lyrics by Stephen Sondheim. Released in October 18, 1961 through United Artists, the film received high praise from critics and viewers and became the highest grossing film of 1961. It was nominated for 11 Academy Awards and won 10, including Best Picture, becoming the record holder for the most wins for a musical. West Side Story is regarded as one of the greatest musical films of all time. Well, now I feel really bad for not seeing it. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's the great... It's the greatest ever. You missed it, actually. You missed that boat. Well, there's a little bit more, too. The film has been deemed culturally, historically, or aesthetically significant by the Library of Congress and was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry in 1997. I completely missed this boat. I am on the dock, and that boat is way out in the water. Well, I wanted to dig into this one production because I thought this contrast would be something that would kind of have some impact. Okay. Natalie Wood was only about 22 or 23 when she was filming this movie. Mm -hmm. And as we have just seen, this film was massively successful. Yeah. So she was already popular. She'd already done a lot of great things. She had some hits under her belt. People probably know her as the amazing child actress who was in the 1947 Christmas classic Miracle on 34th Street. Mm -hmm. She was very famous for that. So she had done some great things. Rebel Without a Cause, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it was only about 20 years after this high success with West Side Story that she would be found floating dead in the waters off the coast of the Catalina Island. Wow. So that case is still open today. Yeah. And that's why I've chosen it as the focus for this episode. What happened to Natalie Wood? Our theme for the month is murder, mystery, and madness. And I thought this would be a mystery that that we might want to dig into. And maybe a murder. And maybe a murder. Yeah. We're going to back up to the very beginning and talk about Natalie Wood. She was born on July 20th, 1938 as Natalia Nikolaevna Zakarenko to Nikolai and Maria Zakarenko, who were Russian immigrants. It was the studio executives who changed her name to Natalie Wood when she first started acting as a child. And you know what? Before I keep going, why don't I pause and let you tell me what you know about Natalie Wood before I jump right in here? Um, just that she was, a, you know, like a child actor. I knew that she also wasn't the ethnicity that she was portraying in West Side Story. Mm-hmm. So I'm surprised that that didn't bother more people. It was back 1961. Then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But even in comparing the old one to the 
new one. I would mm-hmm. think they'd be happy that there was the proper ethnicities right, portrayed. Casting. Anyway, um, I know that she was a child actress. I know that she had a sister who was also in show business. I know she married Robert Wagner. And I've seen a lot of her films. And I know that she dated Warren Beatty. Mm-hmm. She did Splendor in the Grass. And I believe that she is famous for being absolutely terrified of water. You know a lot. Mm-hmm. Those are all wonderful things. And they're going to be coming up here in just a moment. So, yeah. According to several different sources, one of them being a biography called Natasha, the biography of Natalie Wood, which was written by Suzanne Finstadt, life with her parents was rough. Her dad... Stage mom? mm, Yes. Her mom was a terribly severe stage mom. I mean, very bad. And who not only was referred to as, quote, an abusive taskmaster, but she was also somebody who was really concerned with her daughter being a star and Mm -hmm. making money and and just doing anything it took to get to the top. And so just so people know, that's like a loose definition of a stage mother. That's what we're considering a stage mother as someone who pushes their child to be the breadwinner in the family and to have the focus and to get all the roles and like that is the utmost focus is getting them on stage and Mm -hmm. in a spotlight and Mm -hmm. then that parent living through that child's experiences would Mm. you say that's your definition of a stage mother yeah that's what i mean when i say a stage mother when she was a child and she had her fortune read by a gypsy that fortune teller told her that her second child quote would be a great beauty known throughout the world but she also said that maria must quote beware of dark water and so it was the mom who passed on this terrible fear fear of water to her second daughter while also she latched onto that first part about her daughter was going to be known throughout the world like and be this great beauty that's what also fueled this mom's stage mother frenzy so a lot of it came back to this one encounter with a fortune teller okay so an example of how fanatical maria could be as a stage mom would be this story that involves the 1946 film called tomorrow is forever Mm. mom really wanted natalie who up to that point had only gotten very small roles in some films she wanted her to win this larger role in the film tomorrow is forever because not only would it be a bigger role but she would also get to work alongside orson welles which Mm. that's going to raise your stardom Mm -hmm, a little bit right mm -hmm. so the character that natalie was auditioning for was supposed to be this person this young girl who was very emotionally fragile somebody who had been orphaned by the nazis and it called for a child actress who could cry on cue so this is in the biography supposedly before the screen test maria not only was encouraging her seven-year-old daughter to think about you know her family dog dying trying to get her to be sad thinking about the death of her family dog but according to a quote in the book i'll read it the way it's it's quoted her mother pulled her to the side where no one else could see took a live butterfly out of a jar and tore the wings off of it tender-hearted natasha went into hysterics as her mother called out she's ready grabbing her by the hand and pushing her in front of the camera. No, mama. Right? Mm. Natalie did win that role, and she did such an amazing job that she also won a long-term studio contract. Orson Welles was quoted as saying, she was so good, she was terrifying. Mm. 
And it was only about a year after that she won the role of the lead role in The Miracle on 34th Street. Little Susan. Mm-hmm. And she was so hardworking and so renowned for knowing her lines, not just her lines, but everybody else's, that they started calling her One Take Natalie. Wow. Yeah. She was in a lot of movies, including The Ghost and Mrs. Muir, which was another well-known one. And when she reached her teen years, she would sometimes wear braids and Philly dresses so that she could still continue to play some of those younger roles. I mean, she and her mom were determined determined she was going to to be a star yeah yeah but by the time she was 16 natalie had started rebelling a little bit Mm -hmm. those hormones kicked in well hormones and just i'm done fed up with her mom and also she was tired of having this incredibly wholesome image it's been about 10 years if she started at seven nine years a long time that's a really long time and she probably was starting to want to take control of her own life yeah but unfortunately some of the the choices she were making weren't necessarily always good for her I think she said she wanted to be a real actress and artist and it was about this time that she was going for Rebel Without a Cause co-starring with James Dean and Sal Mineo and according to a few different sources in order to land that role part of it might have been due to an affair she had with the 44 year old director Nicholas Ray Mm. yeah and one source phrased it as she was really trying to kind of prove that she could be the rebel this character that she was trying to be in the film and so she was almost kind of trying to prove herself Mm -hmm. and get this part. Another source said that she actually had a relationship with her other co-star, Dennis Hopper, at this time. And so a lot of people were speculating that rebelling against... And it doesn't sound like she needed to do that. She had the talent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it was part of the rebelliousness. It was also part of the strong desire. Like, she's now driven to get ahead and Mm -hmm. to to win these roles. Mm -hmm. And so it causes her to kind of really push things a little bit. Mm -hmm. But around this time... Not long after is when Natalie met Robert Wagner and he was different for her. She had had a crush on him for a long, long time. They went on their first date on her 18th birthday. He was 26 at that time. They married one year later in 1957 and for a while they were Hollywood's golden couple, but by 1962 they were divorced. So to kind of put this in context, this would have only been like a year after West Side Story had had its big heyday. That's when they divorced mm -hmm. is a year after West Side Story? West Side Story was released in 1961 probably actually won its awards in 1962 and their divorce was in 1962 i wonder if that had something to do with it sometimes again not disparaging just saying this not saying this happens every time but sometimes men who are also in the same industry it's hard for them for the woman to be getting more of the accolades than they are a lot you'll notice Mm -hmm. that a lot of women who win best actress awards they will be divorced within a few years Mm -hmm. from their husbands this is a little bit of a spoiler i was going to save this for later but just recently lana wood natalie's younger sister published a book which is admittedly very biased Mm -hmm. it offers a lot of her own opinions Mm -hmm. and she is not a fan of robert wagner not has not ever been i don't think Mm -hmm. so something released in her book again this is alleged what mm-hmm. she said was that a lot of people blamed the divorce on rumors that Natalie was having an affair with Warren Beatty mm. and that Natalie let them believe that. But the actual truth was that she had come upon her husband in an encounter with another man mm. and it caused friction in their marriage mm-hmm. and they ended up getting divorced over that. Okay. So that was what 
Lana Wood said. We weren't there. We'll right. Never, we'll yeah. never this know. This is all alleged. Moving on. They're now divorced. Natalie Wood does go on to date Warren Beatty for a while. That's who she starred with in a 1961 Splendor in the Grass, as you've said. And I think there was a tub scene where something happens to her in the tub. I've seen that film. And she also had a, she wore, this is just in the cobwebs of my mind, but she wore a bracelet to cover up that she had a broken wrist or something like that. But the tub scene, I don't remember what happens in it, but other other than she was absolutely petrified of being mm. in the water in this tub. Oh, wow. Well, they did mention uh, the bracelet came up when I was researching West Side Story she did have a little bit of a protruding bone because yeah. of this injury. And yeah. so she wore the bracelet and people liked it. So she, and she it. ended up always wearing that bracelet, but she also wanted to hide that bone. The so, bone. but that became kind of a thing for her. I had not heard about the tub scene, but that makes sense because it came up over and over and over again, how terrified she was of water. Mm-hmm. She did not mm-hmm. like that. Moving back into this timeline, if you kind of think about it, we're around mid 1960s. And one thing to bring out is by the time she was 25, she had been nominated for three Academy Awards for Best Actress for her leading roles in Rebel Without a Cause, Splendor in the Grass, and Love with a Proper Stranger. So this girl is on fire. Yeah. I mean, she is really nailing it in terms of her acting career. But in terms of her personal life, you know, she'd just come out of this divorce. That's hard. But she does soon, after dating these different people, move into a new marriage with a British producer named Richard Gregson, which occurred in 1969. And it was with him that she had her first daughter, who she named Natasha. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But... They were divorced only three years later in 1972, and the fans got super excited because Natalie got back in touch with Robert Wagner after that. They remarried the same year she got divorced from from Gregson, 1972. This was exactly one decade after their divorce. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right? So they (laughs) said, let's give it another try. They did. In fact, there was a quote where she, I think she told her sister, the devil I know is better than the devil you don't or something like that. girlfriend, that's not a good way to start the marriage, but okay. Yeah. So they had a daughter together named Courtney. Robert Wagner's career took off when he got hooked up into this hit TV series called Heart to Heart. Mm-hmm. That ran from 1979 to 1984, and he was huge. But it's during that time that Natalie Wood's career is taking a it's going hit. Down. It's going down a little bit. She's making fewer films. Some people said it was because she wanted to devote more time to her family, but it was also said that she struggled a little bit with the fact that she felt like she was having a harder time getting cast in the good roles after she was 40. Old, yeah, mm-hmm. It's the age-old issue yeah. for women. So, Natalie Wood's last movie was Brainstorm. It was filmed in 1981, although I'll go ahead and tell you it won't be released until 1983, okay? But in this movie she played a scientist married to a fellow scientist who was portrayed by Christopher Walken. Now he was pretty big because he had just won an Academy Award for the Deer Hunter. Oh yeah. Yeah so he was he was on top right now. Natalie Wood told some friends she was a little worried that she looked older than him because she was five years older but the two had great chemistry. Everybody talked about that and they struck up this really nice friendship. In fact some people even were spreading rumors about you know there being some flirtation or some possible romantic interest. But the film's first assistant director, David McGifford, told Natalie Wood's biographer, quote, it wasn't like they were lovey-dovey on the set or anything like that, but they just had a current about them, an electricity. It could be that you just found your great scene partner. 
Yeah. You know? Yeah, that happens. For sure. And according to another source, not only did the two of them get very close, but Christopher Walken also formed this really nice friendship with Natalie's husband, Robert, who, by the way, a lot of people called RJ. That's usually what oh, okay. they would refer to him as. The shooting of the movie was in its final stages. Natalie had completed all of her scenes. When the three of them, Natalie, her husband, and Christopher Walken, decided they were going to take a short vacation trip together over the Thanksgiving weekend of 1981. Natalie and Robert invited Christopher Walken to join them as they sailed around Catalina Island, which is this little rocky getaway about 22 miles off the shore of Los Angeles. They were going to be on the yacht owned by RJ and Natalie. And this yacht called the Splendor was something that Robert in particular just adored. And the family spent a lot of time on it. In a 1979 TV interview, Natalie herself was talking about how much she enjoyed taking the family out on the yacht. And she said, it's easy with the boat meaning to escape the public eye and to, yeah. be, and to be a family together. Yeah. So their captain was a man named Dennis Davern. He was a family friend as well as a Navy vet. And so on the evening of November 28th, 1981, Natalie and the others on the boat left the Splendor and they went in a dinghy to a restaurant on Catalina Island to have dinner. And about 10 p.m., the this was a quote about them. Somebody called them an intoxicated group returned to the yacht using that same dinghy, which was named the Valiant. It was one that was with their boat. They owned it. Okay. Robert Wagner told the investigators that Natalie went to bed for the night in the couple's cabin about 1045, but he talked a while longer with their guest, which was Christopher Walken, you know, Natalie's co-star in that movie. And then after that, Robert went to join her in the cabin only to find her missing. Mm. So Robert and the others then soon discovered that the dinghy... Who's the others? Well, it would have been the Captain Dennis and Christopher Walken. Those are the people on the boat. They're the only people on the boat. The Captain Walken... And RJ, Robert, okay? They discovered the dinghy was also missing and, quote, immediately radioed for help. Harbor Patrol, private searchers, and then later the Coast Guard all combed the water and the island coastline. And a Sheriff's Department helicopter eventually spotted Natalie's body floating in the water off the island wearing a flannel nightgown, socks, and a down jacket. She was pronounced dead at 7.45 mm. a.m. on November 29th, 1981. Mm. She was 43. Mm. I'm going to pause there before I keep going. Okay. Do you have any memory of any of these details? Or have you? is this something that you know a lot about, the situation of the her death? It's something that I would have read about a long time ago. Mm-hmm. I know that the captain just recently mm-hmm. gave testimony, so that's what We're I remember. We're going to get to that. Okay, okay. Yeah. go ahead. Do you know anything else? I mean, that you want to bring up? You might trigger a memory, okay. right. but no. The captain gave testimony. The fact that she was in the jacket was an issue, mm-hmm. and the socks, and the way she was dressed. Mm-hmm. Because when I was walking through the initial account, it didn't come up at the time. But I'm going to, again, spoiler alert, a lot of new things happened more recently. And it wasn't until some of like the 2018 interviews and reports that came out. That's probably when I would have read it it in 2018. It's almost retroactively, they talked about some of the things that were said in the initial um, investigation. investigation. And so I didn't see anything mentioned in in this first part. But later I saw where they said that Robert, her husband, had said that he thought she was out. She had taken the dinghy because she was going to go 
party hopping. What? Well, who would go party hopping in that clothing? No. Right. So that was something that supposedly he had said in this initial Mm -hmm. investigation. But again, it wasn't something that came out as far as I know until later. Mm -hmm. But we're going to keep moving through because we want to kind of follow the timeline of how things were revealed, if that's okay. Oh, yeah. All right. So her toxicology report revealed that her blood alcohol content was 0.14%, which is nearly twice most states' DWI limit. So well, she wasn't driving. So people made some inferences based on that too, right? And what happened was her death was classified as an accident and, quote, a probable drowning in the ocean. A very well-known Los Angeles coroner, Thomas Noguchi, who had the nickname Coroner to the Stars. That's awful. I know. He put in his report that there were, quote, numerous bruises to arms and legs that were, quote, superficial and probably sustained at the time of drowning. And then he wrote, no other trauma noted and foul play is not suspected at this time. So the police closed the case two weeks later. Mm. Her funeral was held on December 3rd and they have pictures taken from that day that show the family members and her husband looks devastated. He, You can see he's just sobbing. Mm-hmm. They show a number of famous family friends like Laurence Olivier, Frank Sinatra, Gregory Peck, Rockhead, and a lot of people who had come to yeah. mourn her. Yeah. So it was a very sad affair, but life went on. Yeah. The movie Brainstorm got held up a little bit in post-production, which the director said was not because of her death. She had finished filming all her scenes. It was some different things with the studio and finance and all that. But it eventually came out in 1983, the same year that Christopher Walken's famous movie, The Dead Zone, was also released. So he, of course, went on to continue to star in a lot of other movies after the tragedy. And over the years, Christopher Walken said very little in public about Natalie Wood's death. He cooperated with the investigation, but he did not ever want to talk about it in public. Mm. One quote that they did pull from an interview with Playboy magazine that he did in 1997 where he spoke briefly about it. I'll I'll read to you. It said, oh, and by the way, he was addressing the idea of why he thought people found this tragedy with Natalie Wood so hard to accept. So here's what he said. Anybody there saw the logistics of the boat, the night, where we were, that it was raining, and would know exactly what happened. You hear about things happening to people. They slip in the bathtub, fall down the stairs, step off the curb in London because they think the cars come the other way, and they die. You feel you want to die making an effort at something. You don't want to die in some unnecessary way. So that was his speculation about why people weren't believing it was an accident, had such a hard time accepting it was an accident. If it was raining, why is she taking the dinghy to go party hopping? Mm -hmm. Because he just said it was raining. Right. He wasn't the one who supposedly said she was going party hopping. Yeah, but I'm saying why would her husband, if it was really raining, why would her husband tell everybody, oh, I just thought she was going party hopping. Right. In a dinghy. Yeah. When she hated the water. When she's terrified of the water. Yeah. Mm -hmm. By herself. Yeah. Right. In her flannel pajamas. And and nobody's drunk. Mm-hmm. So again, time's moving on for everybody else. So for Natalie's husband, Robert, his Heart to Heart series ended in 1984. And in 1990, he married Jill St. John. They're still married today. They're both still alive, by the way. He's performed in some other movies since that time, but really Heart to Heart was his heyday. Yeah. Nothing's yeah. really been big since then. Also during that time, this author I've already referenced, Suzanne Finstadt, published a New York Times bestseller called, I've already referenced it, Natasha, the biography of Natalie Wood, which she then 
been republished in 2009 with updates. Mm. Now, I did not see this in so many words, but based on the way the sources are kind of making comments and even some of her own outright statements and interviews, it really sounds as though she has played a role into pushing this investigation forward because of her own digging into the case and some of the new information she's put out there, some of the the way she's pushed or, or maybe even made some allegations. It sounds like she played a role in what happens next, which was the 2011 reopening of the case by the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department. That's fascinating. So, for example, it said that in her 2009 version of the book, Finstat made claims about arguments between Natalie and Robert that occurred shortly before she was declared missing from their yacht, which was new information. Mm. So again, because she was bringing in new information, Mm -hmm. they're thinking this is part of what pushed the investigation forward. Mm -hmm. 2011, the police began to investigate the case again, and now they are calling what happened to Natalie suspicious. They're using that word. Have they reclassified it as a homicide yet? Well, in 2013, the county coroner's officials changed her cause of death from accidental drowning to, quote, drowning and other undetermined Mm. factors. Mm -mm. The new coroner's report cited fresh bruises on her arms and knee, along with a scratch on her neck and a scrape on her forehead as evidence that she might have been assaulted before she drowned. Mm. The new report also noted, quote, conflicting statements about when Natalie disappeared and whether she had argued with her husband, Robert. Other concerning information in the report included the fact that she went missing about midnight and an analysis of her stomach contents placed her death around midnight. But the report said that Robert placed his radio call to report her missing at 1.30 a.m. And Roger Smith, the L.A. County rescue boat captain who helped to pull her body from the water, said he did not receive a call to look for her until 5 a.m. And the captain was on the boat? That This is not the same captain. This oh. is somebody who had been called to help oh, look okay. for her, but okay, okay. he had not been called to come look for somebody who was missing until okay. 5 a.m. So they're questioning the gap. Remember earlier, supposedly in the initial in- investigation, it was reported that Robert had immediately called for yeah. help when he saw she, she was missing. and the dinghy were missing. And now they have this gap of time. Gotcha. Yeah. The original investigators thought that Natalie's body was bruised when she fell off the yacht and struggled to pull herself from the water into that rubber dinghy. And the side did bear some scratch marks that seemed consistent with the theory. But in 2013, the coroner's investigators noted that the nail clippings were not taken from Natalie's body to determine whether she had made the scratch marks and the dinghy was no longer available to be examined. So they question, yeah, they don't know. And the coroner thinks that Natalie did die very soon after entering the water. So it was it listed as drowning it was officially? Li- it was officially listed as drowning and other undetermined, undetermined. factors. Okay. Now this is in 2013. Okay. How about we pause there before we move on to see what happens next? This seems like a good time to take a break. No, it's a terrible time. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> All right, fine. It's time for our March giveaway. For a chance to win your very own Scandal Water t-shirt, simply visit our Scandal Water podcast Facebook page and share the post labeled March giveaway. The winner will be announced on March 31st. Cheers! 
All right, and we are back. So when we left off, we were talking about some of the new developments in 2013. Mm -hmm. And as you might expect, Robert Wagner had a little bit of a reaction to some of that information because clearly this throws even more suspicion his way because it's not as though people weren't already, you know, speculating and making allegations. Mm -hmm. But this ups the ante. So here's a statement that he released through his attorney, Blair Burke, as reported by E! News back in 2013. Okay. Mr. Wagner has fully cooperated over the last 30 years in the investigation of the accidental drowning of his wife in 1981. Mr. Wagner has been interviewed on multiple occasions by the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department and answered every single question asked of him by detectives during those interviews. That was a statement. Okay. okay. So now we have the police investigating again, but other people are too. So around the year 2016, Suzanne Finstadt, that same biographer, she begins digging again into Natalie's life and death. Can I just say what what a blessing it is when some of these people that didn't really know you just take up your cause mm. and are like, no, I'm not going to let this rest. That's a really good point. Yeah. Now, I hope I'm not misspeaking. I think I'm accurate on this, but I very briefly glanced over her background and I want to say that Suzanne Finstad is not only an author, but her background included maybe being a lawyer and a journalist. Mm. So I think she's she's a, got some kind of, yeah. it's, it's just hung on her and she's not letting mm-hmm. it go. And she's tenacious and she knows how to do things. She knows how to get things done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, a quote from her that was included in a Vanity Fair article in 2020 says, homicide detectives in the LA Sheriff's Department keep what they call a murder book, the official record of a homicide investigation. I was given access to Natalie Wood's murder book. Wow. There I found the buried clues to what really happened on the last weekend of her life. As the evidence slowly, painstakingly mounted, it became disturbingly clear to me that not only was Natalie's death not an accident, but the ensuing investigation was almost non-existent. And spoiler alert, (laughs) the reason why that article was published in Vanity Fair in March of 2020 was because that's also when her new book, the newest version of the biography with new chapters and information included, came out. This time it has a new title called Natalie Wood, The Complete Biography. And we're going to come back to that later. Suzanne! I know. You're getting my cheers! I'm telling you right now! This I woman, want this woman to this write woman my biography if it. I ever do anything. If anything ever happens to me, you contact Suzanne. Suzanne, all right. I, I'm <laughs> going to go find her number. All right. <laughs> so somebody else who was also pushing for a deeper investigation was Lana Wood, Natalie's younger sister. Mm. And over the years, she had often called for investigators to interview Robert Wagner and make him say more about what happened that night. Mm-hmm. She had a lot of questions and mm-hmm. she did not feel like he was forthcoming. Mm-hmm. Quote from her on a TV interview talking about her sister Natalie. She would never have left the boat like that, Mm -mm. undressed in just a nightgown. And then she would also talk about, very frequently, she would bring up her sister's lifelong terror of the water as another reason why she knew Natalie would never have gotten into that dinghy alone in the middle of the night. So she's researching, Suzanne's researching, the police are researching. But the next big break in the case does not come out until a press conference in 2018. It was in February, and this was big. So 
I'm going to give you a heads up right now. It's as I'm going through all the things that came out in 2018, this is when we hear a lot of comparison to information that was said in the original investigation and how now they have found out these new things. So you're going to hear me kind of go back okay. a little bit like okay. like before RJ had said this and now they're hearing okay. this. Okay. So um, just kind of stay with me. All right. Okay. I'm literally on the edge of my seat, Candy. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. And I should also say some of the information woven in here is also from Suzanne. Okay. So I'm kind of leaving. So you're going to hear some of the filled in gaps or at least okay. the speculation about what fills in some of the gaps. Okay. In this 2018 press conference, a captain from the homicide department said new witnesses, that was a quote, and people with relevant information had been identified. This is in 2018. I mean, Who's well, a witness? Well, here you go. And because of these new witnesses, a different timeline had emerged of Natalie Wood's last hours on the boat and when help was requested. Aww. So supposedly, it's coming up, I'll tell you. Okay. This here, here we go. John Carina, a lieutenant in the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, he's also speaking at this press conference, said, now Robert Wagner, who at this time in 2018 was 88, was now a person of interest oh, in Natalie's death and yeah. that they would like to speak with him again and hear his version of the events. The new witnesses, he said, were people in the boats moored near the Wagner yacht who heard a couple loudly arguing as well as a woman calling for help. This lieutenant said that his department had also talked to witnesses who saw the group on Catalina Island that weekend and some other people who just knew Natalie and Robert. In other words, they were getting new information, re-interviewing some people. If they heard her calling for help, why didn't they do something? Here you go. All right. I'm going to keep going through this because your question is going to get answered in just a minute. Okay. So to follow this out, the lieutenant said, quote, that Robert Wagner is a person of interest because he was was the last one with Natalie Wood and somehow she ends up in the water and drowns. The source they referenced was the fourth person on the boat, that Captain mm, Dennis Davern. That's right. Who's now 70 at the time of the 2018 press conference. This Lieutenant Karina said the witness statements from the people who heard that couple fighting matched up with what Dennis Davern, the captain of the boat, had said in his more recent police interviews. So I'm going to pause for a second just okay. to kind of like share this. Supposedly what Dennis said in the beginning, he gave different answers such as Robert Wagner kept him under close watch, like he was still living on his, kind of in his home and he was working for him and like what he was allowed to say okay. was being closely looked at, It sounds supposedly. like that, that's what was happening in that gap between those those several hours between when she actually died and when they called for help. It sounded like some stories were getting mm-hmm. told. Exactly. Some people were getting their stories straight. The, there was even references to telling mm-hmm. to telling the right story. Mm-hmm. So over the years, Dennis's story had changed. Even sometimes there would be little pieces in interviews or on TV or whatever where... Well, if, it, if he didn't tell the truth in the first place, then it is going to change because right. you usually tell the truth every time because that's all you remember. But right. if you're telling a story, you may not be able to remember, oh, now what am I supposed to say? So that could be why it changes. Yeah. And, and here in more recent interviews is when he was supposed to be totally coming clean. So let's just kind of back this up. Remember, he's the family friend, the Navy vet who was captain of the boat. And then he had said in multiple interviews and even co-wrote a book called Goodbye Natalie, Goodbye Splendor.
Splendor that he he co-wrote it with Marty Ruley. And it, during these interviews, he had said that after Natalie Wood's body was found, that Robert Wagner told him and Christopher Walken to stick to the original story. That was the timeline that showed up in the 1981 coroner's report, that Natalie went to bed first, then Robert, after he had chatted with Christopher Walken, went to join her. He sees she's missing, and so was the dinghy. Now, Dennis Davern says that wasn't the whole truth. Now, he says, the argument started the day before. The tension was going through the whole weekend. Robert Wagner was jealous of Christopher Walken. Oh. So according to Dennis, Natalie Wood and Christopher Walken spent hours at the bar on Catalina Island laughing and seemingly flirting. And when her husband showed up, Robert was furious. This is according to Dennis now, that the four went on to have dinner at Doug's Harbor Reef restaurant, that they were drinking champagne, two bottles of wine and cocktails, so everybody had a lot to drink. Mm -hmm. And then at one point, supposedly, either Natalie or Christopher Walken won through a glass at the wall. That actually came from employees of the restaurant and telling that to Suzanne Finstadt. The restaurant manager also saw how drunk the members of the group were and said that this manager was worried they wouldn't be able to reach their yacht safely when they staggered out just after 10 p.m. But again, we know that using that inflatable dinghy called the Valiant, they did get back to the Splendor that night. But of course, Natalie was dead before sunrise. The story of what happened when they got back to the yacht has changed several times. According to Suzanne Finstadt in her book, Christopher Walken early on had told the investigators that he and Robert got into a, quote, small beef about that idea of parents being away from their young kids for an extended period of time shooting a movie, which was what Natalie was doing, Mm -hmm. but that they made up, they, you know, gave their apologies and it kind of died down. However, in his most recent version of events, Dennis says that when they got back to the yacht, they resumed drinking wine and that a very... gosh, you people can really hold your liquor. Mm -hmm. And that a very heated argument exploded during which Robert Wagner broke a bottle of wine on the table and I won't give you the quote, but basically accused Christopher Walken of sleeping with his wife. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So, Dennis said that Christopher Walken left to go to his own room and, quote, that was the last time, last I saw of him. Natalie Wood also left for her stateroom with RJ following. And Dennis said he heard a loud quarrel after that. Mm. He did not see them at that point, but he heard the argument continue on the deck of the boat before, quote, everything went silent. Mm. After a while, he decided to check on the situation and he found Robert alone on the deck saying, Natalie is missing. And he asked, Dennis to start looking for her. And when he couldn't find her, Dennis said he went back to Robert, who then told him the dinghy is missing too. Now, this is Dennis. He acknowledged that Natalie Wood was, quote, deathly afraid of water. So he said he doubted she would have taken out the small boat by herself. And he said in multiple interviews that Robert Wagner did not want to attract bad publicity. So he refused to turn on the boat's floodlights and delayed calling for help because he didn't want the bad publicity yeah and you got it anyway robert oh yeah you got it what another thing that i'm surprised that she would even want to be on a boat on the water Mm -hmm. but it sounded like that was the norm for them and maybe it was one of those things you just had to do you know like like her husband loved it maybe the boat is big enough that it doesn't even feel like you're on the water it is a it is a large boat and i have a picture of it that i was going to put in our show notes okay okay it is large okay but But the dinghy would be scary absolutely going back and forth absolutely Yeah. yeah Well, 
The sheriff's investigators, again, we're coming back to this 2018 press conference. They referred to a key witness statement from Marilyn Wayne, who was in a boat moored 80 feet away at the time. That's she's pretty one, close. Right. She's one of these people we were just talking about who heard a lady calling for help. Okay. Yeah, we're going yeah. back to that. Okay. She said that around 11 p.m., she heard a woman calling out saying, somebody please help me. I'm drowning. Oh, gosh. The cries went on until almost 11.30 p.m. When her boyfriend tried to call the harbor master, no one answered. Also, they thought there was a party going on on another boat that was moored off the island. So they, they were wondering if it was all a joke. Oh. Yeah. Now... The most troubling thing they said was that there really seemed to be this huge gap before anyone learned that Natalie was missing. He did not notify authorities immediately, which was what was reported initially. But it turns out now that Robert actually did not make the first call to shore until 1.30 a.m. Mm. Yeah. So that's been two hours since they've heard somebody yell something from the water. Yeah, think about that. Ugh. Somebody who's terrified yeah. and drunk and in the middle of, ugh. oh my gosh. Well, at this interview, the police promised they're going to continue to work. They're going to find more witnesses, people who remember that night. They're going to try to fill in the timeline, find more clues as to what actually happened. And Suzanne said she was helping out. She told a magazine interviewer that she even sent those lead detectives new important witnesses, including somebody that Dennis had supposedly called when he was panicked in the hours after Natalie had drowned to confide to this person how she went overboard. So supposedly Suzanne dug up that person. Oh, Suzanne, Suzanne! I know. So Robert Wagner has never been charged with any crime in connection to the death of his wife, meaning that if he chose to give further statements to the police, it would be voluntary. Okay. According to the Associated Press, quote, investigators made at least 10 attempts to interview Wagner again after reopening the investigation in 2011, including tracking him down in Colorado, but either Wagner or his lawyer refused. And in this 2000 press conference, 2018, excuse me, press conference, this lieutenant said, we would love to talk to Robert Wagner. He's refused to talk to us. We can never force him to talk to us. Why not? He has rights and he can not talk to us if he doesn't want to. Apparently because he has not ever been charged. He's got a right to remain silent, I, I guess but he hasn't so. been arrested. And he's only a person of interest right now. I don't know what the rules are, but apparently know. they can't force him to, or at least as of 2018, they hadn't been able to. Okay. The fact that the Sheriff's Department publicly acknowledged Robert Wagner was a person of interest only made it more tragic for Suzanne. She said, quote, the LA coroner remarkably officially changed her cause of death 30 years later, which means that Wood's suspicious and gruesome death was never investigated and she was wrongly and publicly blamed and shamed as the drunken cause of her own death. Yep. Which is horrible. Robert Wagner wrote in his memoir, because he did publish a 2014 memoir, there are only two possibilities. Either she was trying to get away from the argument or she was trying to tie the dinghy. But the bottom line is that nobody knows exactly what happened. Their daughter, Courtney, was only seven years old when she lost her mom. She has always supported her dad. Yeah. She praises his efforts to raise and protect his kiddos. She told one interviewer, there are certain people in our lives that continue to dredge up all this speculation and stories every year for no other reason than to indulge themselves. His family supports him. Supports him. What about Natalie's daughter, Gregson? She did a documentary which came out just in the last few years. I want to say, I want to say around 2018, but don't hold me to that. It's but okay. it's fairly recent. Okay. 
I don't believe she made any allegations or dug into the death that much. I think she lived more in the memories of her mom. Okay. And who she was as a person. Yeah. So since 2018, I couldn't find anything that has happened with the case. It is still open. It is still ongoing. And nothing new has been shared with the public. However, as we've said now numerous times, a new book came out from Suzanne in March of 2020, where she shared her findings. through her investigation. She has those new chapters and that new info. And one review described it as explosive. Oh, wow. Yeah, and she definitely has been pointing towards Robert. Mm -hmm. Uh And even more pointed, just this past November of 2021, Natalie's younger sister, Lana Wood, published her own book because she's been investigating. And it's called Little Sister, My Investigation into the Mysterious Death of Natalie Wood. And she also brings in new information from new key witnesses and and I think her and Suzanne need to work together well they they might be but but I, I didn't see that okay but again, she shares a lot of her allegations and personal opinions, and people do acknowledge it's pretty biased. And something that we haven't said, which I feel like we should bring out, Natalie struggled a lot with some mental health issues mm-hmm. through her entire life. Mm-hmm. She had some depression. She she sought some therapy because she needed some help with her struggles. And this was something that gets talked about, I think, in, in a lot of these different books and sources. Yeah, She had some definite things that were emotionally and mentally difficult for Traumatic. her. Traumatic. That's a great word and it goes back to there were allegations of sexual abuse mm-hmm. by you had heard this by a famous person yeah. yeah I don't know if we should say the name because I don't know right. that that's appropriate because it's allegations right. but that she had been raped by very powerful Hollywood men one man in particular but she did not have an easy life no she had no. a lot of a uh, lot of trauma a lot of abuse yeah. from different sources in her background that's something that I think Lana does deal with in her book in particular. Mm-hmm. In closing this, you know, when we were sitting here talking about a mystery that's still open, an investigation that's still open, I struggled to find a way to bring any closure. And so I looked for some quotes from Natalie. Okay. And here were two that kind of struck me. The first, almost every girl falls in love with the wrong man. I suppose it's part of growing up. And the second, at night when the sky is full of stars and the sea is still, you get the wonderful sensation that you are floating in space. Armchair psychologist. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts about this mystery that's been going on for 40 years and yet new information, new witnesses have been coming out just within the last few years? Well, I think we kind of covered it in our one of our other episodes about Bernie Tita. I feel like if the truth was out there, it would rest. Mm-hmm. And I don't think the truth is known yet. So that's why this is not resting. Now, I, I don't know how to, to say this without being accusatory, but I do not think it was premeditated meditated, whatever the thing that happened. I feel like the alcohol played a humongous part in it. I think that her husband knows what happened and I don't think it was intentional. And I think it has been a cover up Mm. from that for, for a long time. He is still alive. He has not been accused. But I think that they are right in trying to figure out the truth from him. I think that he knows what happened. He has some answers. I think he does. Yeah. I wish he would speak to the investigators. Yes. That was something that I haven't mentioned yet, but Lana Wood made the comment that Christopher Walken has been very forthcoming all along. He may not have been making public statements about the case, but she felt really good about him because anytime he was asked to talk to investigators to cooperate with the police, 
always he was always right there doing it and mm-hmm. so she spoke she spoke highly of him obviously she did not speak the same way mm-hmm. of, of her brother-in-law mm-hmm. but that made me feel better too to hear that mm-hmm. he was cooperating obviously I'm disappointed in the boat captain yeah because had he told the truth from the yeah. beginning how could that have changed everything right and right. then and then when somebody changes their story so many times what do you believe how do right. you know the truth anymore and he wrote a book mm-hmm. and he wrote a book so that's concerning and disappointing as well so I was I, I guess I was really struck by that quote from Suzanne Finstadt where she talked about the fact that not only had Natalie had her life stolen from her she's a 43 year old yeah. woman she right. is a mom right she is a sister she's she's an actress mm-hmm. she's she's a wonderful per- you know she's got all these things going for her and not only is her life taken from her but then Suzanne's quote was where she was blamed for it mm-hmm, that it not only was never investigated but she was wrongly and publicly blamed and shamed as the drunken cause of her own death. Yeah, that just doesn't sit right. No, that's just the injustice of it. Mm-hmm. It's just so unfair to mm-hmm. think about that on top of, of what's already happened to her and, and having the fact that she died in the way that terrified her the most. Yes, that's the most unjust part. All of it's unjust, but it just feels like this tragic irony. Is that the right Mm -hmm. word? That the thing she feared the most is what came to pass. Mm -hmm. And then she's blamed for doing it to herself. Which I don't think she never would have. Yeah. You just know that you can just, it's some things you just feel in your bones and you feel like she never would have done that. Well, it's a very sad case, but certainly one that fascinating, fascinating, still developing. It's been in the news so much recently that it definitely seemed like one that was timely to talk about for our theme of murder mystery and madness Mm -hmm. i'm hoping that this is one mystery that gets solved i hope we have an update where we get to say this is what really happened absolutely so we already know our cheers yes ma'am suzanne finstadt we cheers you lady this one's for you ma'am cheers cheers this episode of scandal water was executive produced by candy thomas that's me and ashley raymer brown that's me it was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. All music was written, composed, performed, and mixed by Josh Martin. The artwork was designed by Matt C. Adams. While our website was developed by Joshua Reith. If you like what you hear and you want to help keep the scandal water brewing, please go to our website, scandalwaterpodcast.com. Just click on your podcatcher of choice, then hit follow to subscribe. And while you're there, you might as well leave us a five-star rating and review. Don't forget, it's always more fun when you share your tea with others. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandal Water are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.